Hello, my name is Jack Oatway. And I'm Jay Oatway. And we welcome you back to another episode of Like Dragon, Like Sun. The new and improved Like Dragon, Like Sun, now running on new and better technology. Yeah, well, tell us if you feel a difference. Yeah, well, we we have been away for a couple weeks, but and, we have replaced yeah. some equipment, and we are up and running again. We are back in business, folks. I uh, Not I only hope, that. I hope you missed us. We missed true. you. Not only that, but we've dropped D and D, and we're on to Pathfinder. You That's know, not new true. and better That's not true. technology. No. no, of course not. No. That's blasphemy. No, we never still playing never D and D. Still playing D and D. And this week we are we're building worlds. Well, we've been building worlds more than just this week. We've been building worlds for, for a long time. Yeah, since um, the beginning. Yeah, um, it's it's one of my favoriteest, most fun things I think uh, hmm. I do in D and D. It's, I think, was my favorite thing as a kid. I think that world building is, maybe it isn't for everybody, or maybe it's an intimidating thing for some people um, who are trying to get into it or think, I want to be a DM, and I, I've got these ideas, but I, how do I, what do I do with it all? Uh, it's a bit intimidating. So this week, we're just going to do a little bit of a, hey, don't worry about it. Uh, it's easy. It's fun. And this is how we do it. And maybe that'll, like, help inspire you to uh to do it yourself or if you're already doing it to to maybe learn some tricks from from us um yeah i mean i think the first thing is like the name itself is maybe a bit of a misnomer I mean, it is you're yeah. not making a whole world all at once right? right i mean you can start with like world name and like what's it kind of like and then you grab your inspirations and we'll get into what the nitty you know thing is but you're gonna spend most of your time thinking about maybe either you're a person who likes to analyze how rivers run through topography well, or you like making little well, villages there are, little there are some rules about where how rivers run through typography oh God, I, I don't, don't really care. they have to run downhill unless unless it's a magical river exactly and if it runs uphill but you should exactly. have a reason for that like sure. that should be a, a main part of your storyline um otherwise they go downhill Rivers often join up. They almost never fork away from each other. They lead to the sea. Just just keep that in mind if you're drawing a map. Sure. Coastal ranges tend to run parallel to the to the oceans. Right. Or what bodies of water. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean these these are when you're talking about world building, world building, and you're right. Like sometimes you don't have to make the whole world, but sometimes the temptation off the top is like, especially if you're thinking I'm going to create the whole realm, like a realm that's just different, really different from how my friends and I have been playing D&D. And so sometimes you do just start by saying, I'm going to draw a big map. Yeah. Sometimes um, it just helps you visualize it. You, you've driven, drawn big maps. I've seen, seen I've you have a world maps. map. Yeah, I've got a how did map. you uh, How did you draw your, your big world map? What was it like carefully planned out? Did you have like, you know, balance of continent sizes or did, was it random? Well... Well, I, I've made two world maps, essentially. One of them is more of a small snapshot, and one of them is um, the whole whole damn thing. Um, for the f latter, um, which was my big um, Lostoria campaign, I called it, there was just these huge beasts, um, and there have been these two continents that split apart um, very, very long time ago, and all whole part of the lore, but I was a little bit lazy, and I had no really idea how to do it. And so there's this beautiful tool called, I think, a Ganzar's like fantasy generator or something like that. It makes a whole world map for you with everything named and you can just use it, you know, or click it, generate a new one. Of course, I swapped out all the names with all the ones from my own world, but left the shape generally the same. 
because I don't know how else to make it. Uh, all the elevation stuff is pretty much unchanged, um, except for all the names of where everything is um, and where the civilizations may be. Um, I kind of decided that. But otherwise, that was like super easy. It maybe took me at most one hour of just noodling around with how to figure out the tool, renaming everything, and then exporting it to my, all my players, right? The other method for my the one I mentioned previously, my current or upcoming, I should say, campaign, Blightheim, uh, I've taken great amounts of length to making new material for that. Um, perhaps we'll talk about it one day. But for making the map, I used Incarnate. Um, and I just wanted to make the city map because the city is like big enough to be its own world um, for the purposes of the campaign. It's where everything's going to be set. And of course, there's the surrounding territories around the city as well. It wasn't one to one. I didn't make like an exact city map, but it was more general. OK, what is the look and feel and approximate location of everything around yeah, the city and neighborhoods, neighborhoods and their relative sort of position and, to yeah, each other and big landmarks yeah. and things like that. Right. And, and it's a beautiful map, by the way. Um, but I think it shows an interesting progression as well in in your DMing sort of world building. The early mistake I think people do make sometimes is, oh, I need to build this whole world. And and that can be fun, even if you're just trying out continents. Mm. Um, and then filling it with monsters and gods and all those. Like, some people, people like will start redoing the whole pantheon, sure, the whole religious yeah. structure, all of these things down. Um, and that's a lot of work. And if you've got a lot of spare time, that's great. It's, it's a fun activity. It really, it's a, uh, almost but a game in itself. As you become a more experienced game master, you start to realize that your party is only going to be in one place at a time. Mm. They don't need the whole world. It's good that you have some idea of the shape of the big world maybe that's out there. But yeah, you need you need more detail, granular detail about the location they're in right now so that you can build adventure within that um that largely works best for the type of D that we play um i know your last one actually did actually have quite a bit of overland exploration though right you guys were doing big like hex travels across we didn't use hexes but we generally we just approximated distances um and perhaps i was generous um a little bit too much so um, in some instances, but it was generally like, oh, it'll be 10 days or whatever, um, a little bit faster on horse if you can avoid whatever, you know, routes or there's dangerous places and whatever. I negotiate with them. It almost became a skill challenge of them navigating to try and cut down the time beforehand. And then I say, all right, cool, seven days, get what you need, go on the journey. Each day I had my own tra travel tables, but really traveling across continents, there was almost everything that happened in between unless it was a planned event which sometimes there was was just random roles and it yeah. kind of filled the world as it was happening and and so there you go you're like you're randomly generating what's well, maybe not totally random uh, procedurally generating yeah sure your your continents you know forests and hills and mountain ranges and whatever as the characters traveled sort of Through across them, yeah. them built them um a part of it is is a little bit of laziness but also just because i don't have time to flesh out an entire well, and that's just continent. It. time right. is a big problem on this right so necessity becomes your first issue as a dm mm. right we have a game coming up and i have to prep things for the players to be to be doing so the most important thing to be prepping is the stuff that's right in front of us I, my biggest problem is that i go down rabbit holes right so i'm like yes i'm gonna prep stuff for next week's game and then along the way, I'm like, oh, 
well, look at this thing. It's interesting. I, I want to work on this for a while. And I just go kind of deep into something that it's not that it's off subject. It's still germane to the world. So I play a lot of Curse of Strahd stuff. And I've got a lot of things in those worlds, you know, it's like, say, Vistani travelers. And I'll come across some interesting Vistani stuff. And we're not really necessarily dealing with them right now. But I'm like, oh, this would be great for like later on when they come across them, blah, blah, blah. And I'm sort of building up stuff that might be weeks or months away. And so I know the work isn't wasted or lost. And but for me, it can be really fun because I'm suddenly I'm, I'm confronted with all these ideas. And my mind starts running. But, oh, this would be neat too. We could do this. We could do that. And just sort of keeping, you know getting that energy up um the trick is then to shift some of that energy back into the current game and but you know more often than not that stuff that those rabbit holes do pay off as i'm writing for the current thing it means then i can start if i know some of the other all this other content i've got then i can plant little clues and hints and set up things in advance or subtle references people make here and there so the players start hearing about things weeks and weeks and weeks before they bump into it mm. um and that often i think it makes for really fun storytelling where players are like holy cow how far how long ago did you figure all this stuff out yeah um and i think that's the joy for me of dming is sort of like yes i've been plotting this for months and months mm. <laughs> well it's only months and months because you can only meet up every you know well we play once, once a week or twice so a week right uh, we're going okay or once every guys. couple of weeks for most people but. yeah for a lot of people it's every couple of weeks uh campaign at this point slow but. at this point it's i'm all in pre-production phase with my campaign and so really so it's almost the time you try and get the work done right the so but building. here's you your rabbit hole for Blightheim has been classes, character right. classes. Right, well, sure. I mean, still kind of a world building in it itself. It is a world building, right? Um, I've been thinking of, you know, in-world factions, and sometimes for inspiration for myself, I like to just go on Pinterest or something. I don't know. I, I think it's kind of like it inspires me. I'll like me see images. And I'll be like, oh, my God, that's going to be a perfect boss or NPC or place or monster or dungeon or whatever, right? Yeah. Th then I'll steal or, you know and be inspired by sure and write my whole own thing about it right and sometimes people find inspiration in different places and so if you aren't a person that really responds to like images and be like mm, i don't know it's a, i can't really find something that fits my vision or like maybe it's like a book you read that's inspired you like for blightheim um game certain games like you know bloodborne books like you know from lovecraft in terms of like that very sometimes gothic sometimes a bit lovecraftian sometimes um all these different ideas coming together is what inspires a world building idea right or i mean again for lost story it was a mix of things like monster hunter and um studio ghibli films even i i ghibli i don't know how to pronounce it. i think it's ghibli maybe i'm wrong um but regardless that visual imagery of how i imagine what the lands look what the fantastical cities look like what is the technology like like are there airships i mean that's the that's the check mark for every campaign, right? That's like, you know, you scroll down, okay, where's your mountains? Where's your river? Does your world have airships? That's the third question. Or or some sort of gates or portals. Does no, it it's airships is, is the... Are teleportation you know, circles yes no. a thing? Well, you do. Are we going to use firearms in this? Are we going to use, you know, how much of it... I mean, even mm. interesting with Curse of Strahd, my first time I ran the campaign, I was keeping it like, you can play humans or elves, but like, don't go wacky, far, right? Yeah. Where it's going to be really dark off the core. And this time I was like, you know what? I can handle whatever the players decide. They can be as crazy of racist as they want. Mm. And 
and we're we're gonna have some fun with that when they get into barovia it yeah it's gonna freak the heck out of the villagers that'll be fun and um my solution we will just do with it you know (laughs) my solution to the many races in a gothic series that doesn't really maybe i I feel like it could lose something if they're not human one i think that's not necessarily true i don't think it's true at all anyways but what i've done is i've completely reworked the entirety of D&D almost to create my own system how almost everything about character creation works where I don't know I mean again we could get into it a whole another day but I've in my world building process wrote written like what seven new classes you know 20 backgrounds six lineages within races and I don't know there's a million different things that I've written for it and that now totals over you know the size of a novel I could release it as its own handbook for god's sake but um i'm not done still i'm not done still and so it's a lesson and again i've been working on this for two months and i'm still not finished right and that gives you some perspective on how much of a time sink these but, things can be but it's only yeah. a but again these things shouldn't be a burden you it's, work it's on how it. much you want to work on, yeah. right you determine how many hours you have exactly it's and, like a get rich quick scheme and it, <laughs> it's it's for me, this is this is actually what Chris Perkins once I once heard him call um, uh, lonely fun. Mm. Uh, well, maybe lonely is not the right word. I think alone fun. So often that you think, well, I can't play D anD D by myself. But as a DM, when you're prepping uh, worlds, you are playing D anD D by yourself. You're dreaming up all of these ideas. You're creating all this world. You're imagining this, the players going exactly, through it. and all these things ha- sort of happening and. NPCs and relationships and characters and this whole, you know, soap opera story playing out in your head of the history of things of what came before and what's gone. Mm. And, um, and then it does get more interesting once you start to say to the players, yeah, okay, build some characters for me, give me some backstory hooks. And you start trying to tie all of those things in. And then this like amazing tapestry starts to get woven together and you're like, okay, this is fun. We're not just playing some out of the box one shot thing here now, like, like this is this is something that these mm. these five four or five random characters are all suddenly you know woven into and yeah the story's now been moved to be shaped around them and it's huge thing for me it's about it's all about that level of it becomes this thing about adaptation right mm. whether it's adapting my own notes for curse of strahd which i you know, are extensive but they were for the last party so this one has got to have to be different, different, different characters, sort of different set of needs and things going on. So a lot of stuff's going to change. So the setup, the start, the beginning of everything is really different. And, uh, and speaking of adaptations, I'm adapting one of the oldest maps in 5e, the Daggerford map, which came out with, um, well, I guess it was called D&D Next or whatever at that point, and has largely been untouched in the past sort of five years there's a few nods to it here or there in fact there's a nod to it at the very beginning of curse of strahd where you you sort of start at uh one of the hooks potentially begins with a hunting party that starts at uh duchess morwen's place it says in the book outside daggerford but in every conceivable way it should be inside daggerford so i've moved it in and then I had to stop and learn all about Daggerford, which I'd never really done before. And now that I've done it, I'm so excited about this place. I've I've gone through a bunch of lore and done all these nods to the past and tied all these things in. And I've moved my my werewolf kickoff story to Daggerford, which is kind of a bit more fun than being in Barovia. In Barovia, everybody's already scared and terrified and they've seen werewolves forever. Out here, you get more of that, 
you know, that sort of vibe. Everybody's supposed to be trying to have a nice festive party. Everything's kind of normal. But then you've got these murders mm -hmm. happening, these grisly murders in the street, and the players are there to sort of investigate and find out what's going on. And so they start getting drawn into the story, the gothic horror of it, sort of earlier on. And and that, to me, this has been one of the most fun. Like, I'm not even rebuilding the whole world. Again, I'm a bit like you. I'm building one city, one town that, and it already exists. I've got all the maps made for me and everything. I just need to put my story in it. Yeah. Um, I think a part of it there is like another thing you can do if you're you're struggling with world building. Look at what exists, right? I mean, we mentioned inspiration from existing media. Sure. I mean, look at existing modules, right? Oh, yeah. DM's Guild. Oh, my gosh. I just pull so many things from sure. there. Sure. Yeah. Again, you could take as much as like an idea, an NPC, a, a district, a name, all the way to an entire city, an entire sure. or, you know, group of people. An or if you thought, oh, wouldn't it be cool in my like, world if we did more, or, we did yeah. more crafting? Sure. But how do I want to do crafting? And you're like, do I need to stop and like invent a whole crafting system? Well, you're welcome to. Or if you feel like a quick look through DM's Guild or something like that, you're like, oh my gosh, like there's five, at least five like hmm. supplements here of people who've come up with systems i can save myself a ton of time if i just take one of these Look, plop it in my world it, and then yeah bit. and then ad adapt a little bit here and there where i need to to make it work for my players yeah because it's who that's who you're making it work for right hmm. and it's about making the players experience like interesting and fun giving them you know something that they can use uh, as part of you know getting their character to to feel really you know heroic at the right moments yeah, totally. Um, again, world building sometimes doesn't even take the shape of like what the world or its people look like. It could be just systems of how you run your world, right? Home rules that are not just house rules, like, you know, house rules, but specifically these world's rules, right? I mean, for my Lostoria campaign, um, I had very specific game rules, like things that were about, like, like rules that were only existent in that specific yeah. game right and some people call these table rules and maybe a dm carries that over from campaign to campaign to campaign but a t different subset of table rules are really campaign rules yeah that within this world this is this thing that's going to happen and it's not like just referring to like what are you what races can you play and no what are, it can be mechanics right? exactly exactly like for my lost story campaign especially when you're getting a higher level i drafted this whole updated complex combat system that really um because after playing with them for a while, I, I sort of realized how much they enjoyed a little bit more crunchy combat. You know, they were big fans of the numbers and doing things, and combat felt a little slow or like it was a little restraining, right? Um, and so for our own purposes, we just made a game rule. At least I drafted it with some of their feedback, you know, as we were going along and testing it out. Um, this whole new set of rules for doing combat, right? That was specifically for that campaign. And in this new campaign, I want to create a new atmosphere, a new vibe that's a part of this world, right, that I'm building. And to do that, I create my own new table rules, right? A new spin on how does death work, you know? Does, re like, reviving work, you know? Does, re like, can people be resurrected? These ideas that, you know, again, specific in some points and broader in others, um, I consider because I, I I think about again in some of my favorite fiction and like some of these themes that I like like to play with and some of these ideas I want to try and you know tell a story with how can I do that one that's fun as a you know game to play but also one that's sort of um, 
a lot some maybe darker in some places um that doesn't need to happen necessarily in a session zero besides making sure everyone understands what they are but happens in my own again the first time i play the game because i kind of think there's as a dm at least three times you play a campaign or any sort of DD game or like you play it once when you're planning it out you play it again when you're with the players doing it and you play it another like again when like your friends are are reminiscing about experiences or memories or bringing up inside jokes or whatever that you sort of relive that game one yeah. more time and right? it, and that's I, I love those reliving moments because people refer to everything in first person i was doing this i was here i was you were there you know like there was mm. this not my character it's almost always to discuss it as if they truly lived it and i that's the best part of role playing yeah, it's games. like a little shared memory but this know? is but it brings you bring up an interesting point though like how much players drive campaign development and in many ways they they help shape the world as you go um because you're not building it all to start with right you're building it week by week and player feedback player input um it is collaborative storytelling it's not just about what the dice say happens but it's you know those various character choices and the various things like i said maybe even decide you want to play test different rules at the table and that starts to flesh out the world and it starts to change it and give it its, its own vibe and so, yeah, players, players have a lot, um, you need to let players, I think, have a lot more influence on your world. Don't be so rigid to think, I built this world, these are the little tiny rules, you're just a guest inside my little campaign here, um, mm -hmm. and I will kill all your characters and have them disappear because it doesn't matter because my campaign is, is mine, it's my temple, uh, it's my perfect, you know, universe, and I know exactly how the story works in this space. And, and you will follow the way. And you will and follow you, the story it. Story beats, and you'll enjoy yeah. the story I've yeah. made for you. Which is very OSR in some ways. It's like here's the mm. the the module. You play it as it's written, and that's it. Um, we're we're a little got. We've got a little bit more of that. I think five E juice going these days, where it's really about you know player feedback, yeah, response, and that agency adapting. that yeah, yeah. The, and and I think as a DM saying okay, this world, this world that exists here is working, like I'm working the story towards a place where the heroes are heroic mm. in this story. Um, they're not nobodies who become level 10 nobodies. Like they, they already start out as pretty spectacular individuals with potential, amazing potential that the adventures they end up on then bring out this potential and their skills and powers and they, they escalate as they, you know, move across the arc from, you know, fighting and, you know, figuring out, you know, low level threats to understanding how the entire world is at stake mm. and then saving it. Right. And that, and, and you can only, you can only save a world if your characters, you know, if the world is designed for your characters to save it, mm. you know, not the other way, you know what I mean? Like you can't, yeah. there's no way I can say to a player, we'll build the, the right Build the right character to save the world or else it's going to fail. Right. I say to them, build whatever character you want and then we'll work the world out as we go. Exactly. I think a thing we've seen with Critical Role is like once you've built a world, then you can kind of run infinite campaigns in it, right? I mean, we've seen with Wild Mountain, you know, um, even just all of, of Tal'Dorian, Exandria, right? How they keep setting up again and referencing back to previously existing ex escapades and consequences and whatever that just kind of show up yeah. again down the line, right? Yeah, they've got really great story continuity. Um, I'm kind of doing that with my Curse of Strahd one because even though nobody in, who's playing the second game was a part of the first one, 
um, there are some similarities. So somebody's playing a monk and they were like, they said, you know, they were trying to set up who their monk was and what they were doing. And since I had a monk in the previous campaign, when they were like, you know, who would my, my master be? I used the name of the previous monk. I'm like, oh, well, that'd be Master Wu. And, and mm. yeah, you're going, you're attending, you're, the, the monastery that you've been at was the, the White Sun Monastery. And yeah, he knows, somehow he knows Mistani, but you don't know how. Mm. And in my mind, it all makes perfect sense because I'm like, well, this is kind of the character from the previous campaign. And after they defeated Strahd, they left and, you know, he went on his way, but, you know, still would bump into these people who he'd, you know, been, you know, helping. And uh, so when this orphan comes along that needs to leave the Vistani, there he is, growing up at this monastery with Mr. Wu, now Master Wu. And, you know, and for me in my head, that makes perfect sense. So the player, that's just like, he just needed help filling in the background names for things. Um, but for me, I'm like, no, no, it's not just the background names. You're woven into the world now, baby. Mm. Like you, you are, you're connected to a dynasty that, you know, your characters are going to go and try and defeat Strahd after learning from a previous generation who had already done that, who, of course, I've never told you those stories, but, um, and it doesn't and matter. Again, like, it, it, to them, yeah. it doesn't matter. To me, it matters, though. And those people's, like, players, I mean, if you talk with them in there, again, maybe if they're not in that campaign, noob campaign you're playing, but again, they can become NPCs, right? If well, your world goes long the enough. The funny thing is that these two players, although they never played in my campaign together, we actually play together in other campaigns. Mm. And I'm pretty sure at some point, one of them will say, well, it was going to reference something about the Curse of Strahd thing. And it'll like, there'll be a little tip off thing. And the other player, the player will go, what? What did you just say? Mm. And it'll be like, I, I know what that is. And I think that would be like, for me, like, like a, a moment of like shining, like glory, like la, 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 angel singing above when <laughs> two players from two separate campaigns realize that their stories are intertwined. Um, I think that's like, for me, this is what world building is. It's that's it at its like peak, really, you know, it is realized. It, it, yeah. It, it's a connection of people, mm. um, across, you know, years of play. It's not just, you know, do the mountains run parallel to the ocean? Exactly. Although they should definitely run parallel to the ocean. I mean, whatever. Even if they run perpendicular <laughs> to your oceans. Exactly. I mean, that's a thing I love about fantasy as a genre as well. Like, even the idea of saying your river has to run downhill. And then I think, well, unless it magically runs uphill. And hmm. then I'm thinking, well, that that in itself just is a whole adventure. Like, that's a, like some sort of strange jungle that you get into. And the river flows up the mountain. A waterfall that goes in reverse. Like... All of that stuff like blows people's minds. It blows mine just thinking about it. Although I'm sure somebody's written that story already many times, but that's just like, but that's can be sometimes, you know, those are the random things that you come across. Like if you want to just come up with ideas that build things on, I find it's actually, there's different levels of world building. Sometimes you're just building a one shot, which is still a world, but it's just tiny, right? It's like, just around the players and what they're going to be doing. Right? Yeah. A one shot world is, is tends to be, very small area wise hmm. um and the only difference of of campaigns is they tend to to spread out across time and space a, lot a little farther. bit bigger yeah. yeah and you can again if you're not super familiar with this and you don't want a huge grand campaign which is okay it, again maybe you do want that but you don't really know where to start i think just start with the players start with the beginning right think about your beginning and your end what do you need to have ready for both 
and what are like what little story beats do you want to see right understand that the way they get there might be a little bit different but give them like make two or three little plot hooks with interesting npc characters you know that have names and have their own little lives even if they're simple and boom you've essentially got your world building going already i mean at this point as you're writing or jotting things down you might be inspired to be like oh this person could be like this or the revelation the twist could be like this or i'll use this stat block and really then the fireworks or the little connections are going and you know it, it should almost be natural at least it is to me the pieces coming together as you create this beginning right because the beginning really is often the hardest and the easiest part right because it's like you, you have this blank screen staring at you and you don't really know what to write but as soon as you've got a couple of ideas going you can just like i, I at least me i just write and write and write and write and write is now i've got this whole like you know 50 year history about you know and you talked about like writing this festival and what it means and the events at the festival and the whatever right and yeah i've got the whole summer like list of summer festivals figured out they'll never see Mm. and it well who knows they might come back and it might be timey-wimey maybe they come back in time for like the last festival of the summer i don't know we'll work it out like but at, at least they're there i know what the first and last ones are so if i ever want to do that i could um but it, it's interesting like i use i've been using this idea that is typically used as like a one-shot or quick play design tool called the five room dungeon format right mm. But I've sort of blown it up to sort of think about it in terms of, at least in terms of entry into this campaign, that there's the five room, the five room format goes like room one is like entrance and guardian, room two, puzzle or role playing challenge, room three, trick or setback, room four is the climax, big battle, conflict thing going on, and then room five is like the revelation reward and possibly even plot twist that moves you on to the next and of course sort of room not literally being one room. and that's I mean, it you I'm, could interpret it one room you, literally. And, and it and i think as it was kind of written it was literally designed that way and like you could try and do like a quick one shot one page sort of dungeon mm. with this which is like a type of, of world building that when it's done at its peak like level of awesomeness by people and there's a competition every year for it some people are really good they can include a map and like a like story plot lines and the five rooms and everything in it all on one page um it's amazing to see like that's a that's a special type of world building. it's like writing poetry mm. uh, rather than novels um we're talking about novels i think more today than anything but i agree so i don't i'm not saying that room one in my current campaign is it used to be one room. room yeah it was actually i was thinking of it as kind of our first session was was sort of you know first getting all the players to introduce each other and get together and you know various things but it was essentially the entrance you know how are they all coming into this thing and you know is there some sort of some sort of challenge at the gate that they 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 meet or face as they sort of are entering into the story the next session is going to be a puzzle role-playing challenge it's going to give their characters all the chance to sort of really shine on who they are a bit more as well as start to work together for the very first time on solving, um, basically solving a murder situation, trying to figure out what's going on with that and doing clues and, and, and the role playing of social interaction and a little bit of exploration around the town. And sort of playing on those sort of pillars a bit more. Um, and then, and then the room three, the setback or trick bit, uh, I'm not sure exactly when it comes up, but there's definitely, 
in many ways, this is my plot twist. This is sort of like, you know, where various red herrings and things already are going to sort of be sort of revealed and let the, the sort of story start to go in the directions the players now want to take it. Um, and then, yeah, room four is going to happen when it happens, usually at night because it's going to be scarier. Um, but yeah, we're going to throw some, we're going to throw some wolf fights in there. There's going to be some, some fangs and claws and scary things because that's fun too. But I sort of just been putting these, these using those sorts of room concepts as my, as part of my initial world building sort of structure. And then idea, the idea that you can kind of repeat that structure again and again, like we go from this particular setting in the world and we will be moving into the mists, into the misty forest and into Barovia. And again, we go through an entrance sort of phase of it. And we go through an exploration and social interaction. And, and I mean, I'm not making it formulaic. It, it flows and it, it largely depends on what player agency wants to do. Mm. But, um, but I think that this idea of the five room dungeons without being literally dungeon rooms plays a part of, of the, the plot building of your world building totally totally um i mean i'm trying to think of like how i apply that to my own like world building endeavors because like i'm at a point where i'm not really I'm, I'm starting to think about what the adventure could look like but i haven't really made the adventure itself right i know the places we're going i know the, sort of the theme i want to tell i maybe know some of the big players and powers that my you know players will have to yeah it's um, interesting because those these are actually two right? different parts of world building right there's the world like the actual world, world itself building which can be maps and, and, and rules and all of that and then ad adventure building right the yeah. story the that mini goes world, within that the world, world inside yeah. the world really it's like the microcosm of everything else going on i mean you imagine um Man, it's not necessarily frame narrative, like in terms of like a story within a whatever, right? I mean, you could do something funny like that. I mean, I, I was always tempted to have this Feywild campaign that was essentially just a bunch of like old fairy tales recited by this like wizened gnome who'd either lost them or was telling him to his kid, like his grandchildren or whatever, right? Um, yeah, we, we sort of thought about that after Candlekeep came out. Oh, yeah. And, and what uh, the. Um, which light and things mm. we, we started played around the idea of like how to use story books as and linking stories as a campaign setting rather mm. than building a campaign setting that links stories um and that's i think very doable with the domains of delight sort of ideas yeah de um, definitely yeah I, and this is it there's so much stuff out there content wise now yeah. that world buildings world buildings easier than ever there's NPC resources. Always make sure you've got a good list of NPC names. Um, but you can get lists of characteristics for NPCs and catchphrases for NPCs and all sorts of things. So you can just kind of randomly just roll a whole bunch of them up. Um, and then, yeah, just keep those in your notes tucked away for whenever your party is like decides to get off the yellow brick road that you've laid out for them and say, no, we're, we're going to go over here and talk to somebody in this shop. And you're like, okay <laughs> uh good news is i did my homework and i've got like a thousand npcs like in my back pocket well not a thousand but maybe a hundred a couple different names to throw together um, i mean you get pretty good at improvising it as well I mean, yeah once you my biggest worry though is like when i improvise three, i forget like, the names and right. then i forget the voices and i forget who they are and if they go back and find them again we got you gotta take notes i DM's gotta take, gotta take I notes know, dm's gotta take notes as well sometimes it's hard but just quickly jot down you know orc Ryerson or whatever their name is, right? Um, Grumpy, 
uh, shopkeep. Well, and even like how I imagine them when I start acting, because sometimes when I improvise them, I immediately, whatever first voice comes out of my mouth is sort of, I just seeing their shape and build and everything. And then I, I'll describe them after that. Like, I don't know. My, my improv thought process sometimes is jumpy. It goes like in sort of reverse order on things. But yeah, you're right. At that point, I need to, I usually try and do it at the end of the session, but sometimes there can be a gap, a long gap between when the NPC showed up near the beginning of the session and then by the time afterwards, I'm like, oh no, what did I say his last name was? Well, the, Fortunately, the my is, players take more notes than right. I do and I can actually go back and like text Ask, them afterwards exactly, and go, yeah. what did I say his last name was? Mm. Um, I mean, I, I do that all the time with my previous campaign. Like sometimes my players give better ideas than me in terms of how the story is going to resolve or some sort of, characteristic or quirk or thing at the characters like, oh does he have a blank or whatever it's like yeah he totally does <laughs> exactly. and it's like yeah oh, it's like, so cool and i'm like yeah, yeah. it is you know so they go where they go to yeah. shop and they say i'm looking for such and such and i'm like oh well, well thank yeah. thanks <laughs> it's so much better as a player if you say to the dm i'm yeah i'm looking through the shops trying to find x rather than going into each shop and saying oh what's in this shop what's in this shop hoping that the dm will say the thing you're that you're looking, looking for. for. That's not, Don't do that to the DM. That's not how it's planned out. That's terrible. No. Just ha- tell the DM what you want, and he, if he knows his or she knows their world, they know, yeah. um, then they'll, they'll know where to send you in that world. You'll yeah. ask around, and they'll be like, you know, you like, oh, I'm looking for, I want hemp and rope. I'm like, I know where the hemp and rope maker is. In fact, it's integral to the plot. And <laughs> you know what you mean? You sure. send them to right into the, into the, villains you know lair when they think they're just going shopping exactly um and that's more fun yeah much more fun. totally um uh, and it's less like i have to make a whole nother random npc in fact i can put somebody in front of you who's meaningful exactly and i mean that, that that's the that's the hope right yeah is that rather than just filling it with r- random generated whatever on the fly which is you know cute in the short term i mean it can turn into long-lasting you know npcs really the most memorable ones often i mean are the ones you intend to be memorable right yeah. the ones that you make ahead of time well and this not always i worry case, a little but... bit sometimes though like some of the just random throw npcs if you make them a little too interesting your party won't let go of them of course no yeah. so and i think we may have talked about this before as well about how to make really great npcs and things but um but yeah do be careful not to make your completely random strangers anything more than just a blank if they're just asking somebody in the street for directions just give them directions mm-hmm. you know and, and they can whether they're good or bad directions you can mess with the players a little bit but again it really comes down to how much time do you have to play and how interested is everybody in getting on with the story so typically you know just get players to where the next really important part of the plot is and not let's spend you know all day just wandering lost around the streets of daggerford yeah like, yeah well let's get let's get to the story you know yeah i mean sometimes there's time for exploration and, and sure. discovery well especially, especially in magical strange discover, places right? if you enter into oh yeah the city of brass or something like that which we just give room to explore been Make, talking about making yeah. an adventure in forever and ever yeah you want you want to be able to paint you know the the alienness of it for people but also the exciting coolness of it um, and i think matt mercer does a good job of that too like he often introduces new cities and things. I remember Hupper Duke when he first took the players there. Mm. And and it had such a vibrant, strange culture, a party, a work hard, play hard place that everybody took part in. And, and it was really interesting how he, you know, how he let the players, you know, just kind of explore around a little bit and have some fun with that place. 
uh, yeah, that, that I mean, wasn't necessarily, you know, plot driven. It was um, just some. I mean, again, not every game is going to be like this, right? No. Um, there's like a, the again the macro sort of side to it where it's like, okay, what's the gold cost of each little thing going to be, and what's the sure. you know mechanics of the magic items they sell, and like how is it reasonable within the world, and what is magic? What what is it, what doesn't even a magic item shop indicate, you know, or say? And then there's the micro side of like, what's this? What you know? What's this little NPC's goal? You know, what do they what do they want? You know, um, how can they achieve their goal? How does it contribute to this, the player's story? You know, how does it? And I mean, really, that's sort of the two-sided coin that I feel we often just see the one side of world building as, what's my magic system going to be? What's my, you know, are there gods? Who are my gods? And you know, why did they make the world? Why do we exist? You know, massive theoretical questions. Well, um, we we build these things though often because we think it would be fun to live in a world like this. Yeah, and to play it or in to a imagine world, like, a world this. like this. So. My responsibility now is once the players are in it is create scenes and situations that let them feel that same excitement that I have about these things. Mm. Um, that there is great joys in this world, but also that's balanced with, with challenges and, and obstacles and hardships. And, and you know, let them, let them get in and start to live and feel like this is what the role play sessions are about. This is an escapism to this this world and totally yeah i think this is why i think those, those of us who love being dms fall in love with this part of the game mm. um maybe not all dms i mean i know it and look it's important i think here as well we should you know for we may have lost those listeners already probably should put this at the beginning caveat you don't have to be a world builder to be a good dm true you don't. You, are, you, you do don't. not. You do not. If you love role playing or just playing a, an out of the box setting, even an out of the box five room dungeon where you guys do something different every week that's pre made by somebody else and you don't have to think too much about it and you just crank it out and you and your friends have a good laugh. And that's that's good D D as well. So, you know, don't don't feel like you have to do this to be some sort of, you know, D and D guru, um, yeah. and don't think you need to be a DM to do world building either. Same other way around. I mean, I've taken the skills in world building, which ultimately turn into DM campaign. You know, campaigns that I DM or vice versa, right? And then I'll be like, oh, this is just a fun writing project or a fun idea, or you know, I'm now I'm inspired musically. I'm going to write a little musical piece for this. And At one character. Right? How like, many characters have we built? Like oh, sure. hundreds. And sometimes I build characters that I want to play for worlds that I've not yet been invited to play in. Mm. But there's sort of like maybe like some sort of dream or hope that back in my head somewhere at some point, somebody's like, Hey, I want to do an Eberron campaign. That's like X. And I'll be like, I've got a character made already. Let's go. Mm. Um, I've already been thinking about wanting to play in that world. I know who I want to be in that world. Yeah. I don't want to have to run that world. I don't have to, to, you know, I'll let you do all the work on that bit, but I know how to want to play in it. And I think as a player, that's good too. Like, um, you know, if you do have a group of friends who are going to do it and maybe a DM who's like, yeah, I've sort of thinking about building a world. You can actually early on sort of say, Hey, I was kind of thinking about a world like you just mentioned. What if it had blah, blah, blah in it. Again, if you catch a DM at the early part of a world building bit, great time to be planting sort of suggestions for things. They'd be like, yeah, we can work that in. No problem. 
Yeah. I mean, at least they should say that. If you've got a DM who's like, no, it is my world. I, again, I'm not sure. I'm not sure you've got the right sort of uh, DM, but. Yeah. Or maybe, I mean, I, I think, again, as a DM, you got to consider if this is too much of a pressure on time, can like make it a collaborative project. You sure. Know? I mean, you can talk to people like, what do you want to see in this world? You know, I, we've all wanted to play in a fantasy setting. Um, None of you have much experience DMing or are very comfortable, but all of you, I've heard great ideas with what you want to see in this world. Let's all just do a little bit of world building together. You no, know, yeah. it could just be brainstorming, like in a discussion together on Discord or to get like live, yeah. or exactly. And you know, the, your, the world that you have out there together. doesn't necessarily need to be secret from the players. I mean, gosh, if they grew up in that world, wouldn't they kind of know about it anyways? Sure. Like. You know, why wouldn't they know about things in the world? You know, what the mountains and the seas and the oceans and I mean, unless the, it's the like river a... that ran backwards, what it was called. Everybody would know about the river that ran sure. backwards. Unless it's like a, some sort of isekai spirited away moment where you're whisked away into a fantastical world from Yeah, in which case then if day. they all contributed in building it, they're going to have to play dumb. And if they're good players, they will. Yeah. Or that's a scenario where you really, I mean, think about Domains of Dread. You know, there's a situation where players don't know about the world unless they're from the domain, right? Sure. Um, Again, like even in the case of Barovia, like you're starting in Daggerford, which people might be familiar with, right? Heard rumors about, and then they go to Barovia, which they've likely maybe only heard in like a fairy tale recited to children to scare them or, or something that's like a myth, you know, never considered real. And now they're in this fantasy land. Yeah. Um, I mean, what kind of knowledge would they have you know and considering what that means right again on that macro side of world building and working with your players to create a world right because it's not just like it's collaborative storytelling the whole way through right there is alone fun in world building but it doesn't need to be alone it doesn't have to be no it, it and yeah it's better when it's better when it's not the more that the players are invested in the world um also the more invested they are in you know like having a good time in it like so it, it there's no real drawback you can plant all the secrets you still want in a world that players contribute to yeah it's totally. not going to be an issue no not at all yeah. i mean to think about how much blightheim has been shaped by player suggestion i mean it's just a part of the process for me because I, I update them and talk with them and of course this most recent wave of um I don't know. Well, let's, let's not, you know, this recent time where we can't meet up, right, or, or play the game um, is giving me a lot of time to world build. And sometimes you don't have that luxury, like new campaigns are just starting up as soon as the other one ends, right? And maybe because it's been in the works as the other one was sort of fading out. But this I've been working on for like longer and longer. And you, again, like I said, I was saying earlier, the project can become as big as you want it to be, right? And I've shot and aimed high and large because when i want when i when we get back together i want to give them this big world you know that's you know maybe small in size but deep in its layering and its its potential locations and it doesn't feel vacuous but it feels filled and and overwhelmingly packed together like there's so much for them to discover um in the character creation page you know of of the book right um which i'm excited about but i think you know that amount of work it does start to remind me of, of why worlds like Greyhawk or Forgotten Realms became such a big part of the D&D canon in the beginning. You know, people um, like Dave Anderson and Gary Gygax had invested a lot of time building those worlds and writing tons and tons of stuff. People like Ed Greenwood, people have continued to add and add more to them. 
And because there was so much stuff there already, it was, they became places where they would replay with more and more players and publish and let other people rebuild and play with more and more stuff from them. It, it almost seems a shame the more you pour into it, and I've even done this Curse of Strahd, to just walk away from those worlds. So there is a caveat maybe here I should mention DMs. The more you invest in the world, the bigger it becomes. The more you may find yourself playing in this world for years and years to come with different players and different things because you've got so much built for it um, that you want to keep playing it. You want to keep showing it uh, to, to new groups of people and have them experience it and have them shape it and reshape it and change it. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm hoping that, that we'll publish these things maybe even someday and other people can, you know, see some of our worlds and some of the stuff work that we've done on it. Um, and maybe you out there as well, if you, uh, start, you know, building a big world, you can share it with others as well. And there's, we haven't even talked about world building tools. I don't think we've got time for it today, but it's like a whole nother chapter. There's, there are tools online. Like, oh, I mean, I just use Google docs. I, I use, I use, uh, um, OneNote, um, and I I know people who use Scrivener. I know people who just use tools like that. But there's also online tools. There's things like I know World Anvil's one. I've seen some others that you know people are making out there to help you do world building and interconnect things to them. Put maps up, share stuff, let players interact. Um, even some of the virtual tabletops are moving into those sort of spaces and things. I think Fantasy Grounds a bit like that. Um, you know there are tons of world building tools more than more tools than you'd ever need um out there today so yeah uh, go out make some make some worlds share them with some people yeah um and that should wrap up our episode for today thank you for listening joining us as we talk a little bit about the world that we live in or at least that we, we hope we, to live yeah, in the worlds that we'd wish we lived in or the worlds that we fear to live in uh, you know, and we'd like to yeah. tell a story about you know the worlds that um, make us excited totally to to tell stories in so until next week make your own world and we'll come back next week and do a little world book club (laughs) (laughs) no alright bye bye folks bye bye